Welcome to Gavel and Pestle, the fusion of law and pharmacy. Hello, everyone. This is Mark Rofley, a.k.a. The Pain Guy, host of The Pain Pod, where we like to say, come one, come all to The Pain Pod. So a little bit about myself. Uh, my family actually has a vineyard over in Italy, and we have eight pharmacists in our family or family. So yes, Thanksgiving dinner should probably have CE credit, right? Now, as far as my background, I worked for a decade with CVS Pharmacy, climbing the corporate ladder, and then was with Humana Healthcare for about five or six years doing telephonic MTM, uh, which uh, led me to developing an MTM pain management program with the WVU School of Pharmacy, and that became a managed care program as well too, which all culminates with my current positions of being director of experiential learning and a clinical pain addiction pharmacist at our W Medicine Pain Clinic. Here on the Pain Pod, we'll be covering pain and addiction like no other. All the headlines, all the time. We'll have some fun, folks. So come one, come all to the Pain Pod. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I'm Brooke Kalusich. Welcome to Gavel and Pestle. Today on the program, we've got Darshan Kulkarni. Darshan is a pharmacist, FDA regulatory lawyer, author, professor, speaker, and podcaster. And I really couldn't think of a better person to join us for the return of Gavel and Pestle than the original man behind the microphone. Back in 2017, when Darshan was the host of Gavel and Pestle, he predicted that Amazon would soon enter the pharmacy space and totally disrupt the industry. With the recent launch of Amazon Pharmacy in November 2020, his predictions are literally unfolding before us. Today, Darshan joins me to unpack those predictions, walk us through what Amazon Pharmacy means for the industry, and officially pass the baton to yours truly. So without further ado, Darshan Kulkarni. Darshan Kulkarni, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited. It's it's weird to be on this side of the table on the gavel and pestle. I know, different side of the mic this time around, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's time for a change and it sounds like it's it's going to be in great hands. So I'm really excited yeah, to see I'm, what you do with it. I'm looking forward to it. So just for our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with you or with the show Gavel and Pestle, why don't you go on and introduce yourself and fill us in what you've been up to since your time on the show a couple years ago. <laughs> um, so my name is Darshan Kulkarni. I am, I have a farm day. I spent over 20 years working in pharmacies. Um, I also am an attorney who uh, has worked in the life sciences and pharmacy, helping pharmacists sort of uh, build their businesses, everything from uh, buying and selling in pharmacy to uh, clinical research pharmacies to um, developing pharmacy website information to uh, you know I mean, just the whole gamut if you will um, get I get pulled in often enough uh, responding to payment issues get being being pulled into issues around um, just what is required like compounding and stuff so so it lands up being a whole diff- whole bunch of different things. Since um, I also have a master's in quality assurance and regulatory affairs, which is why I sort of see the triumvirate, the, the trifecta, if you will, of uh, PharmD, JD, MS. Um, since we last spoke, since I was on the um, the gavel and pestle, I I became chair of the life sciences section for the American Bar Association, 
written several books and book chapters. Um, I'm currently, um, let's see, I was, I was um, vice president um, regulatory strategy and policy for a global consulting company that was also the world's largest medical writing company. Uh, I was after that um, general counsel chief compliance officer for a startup out of the University of Pennsylvania. And let's see what else. Uh, I think, I think, I can't remember when the last episode was, but I spent a fair bit of time just globetrotting across the world. So I did that for a long time, which was great. So you've certainly been keeping busy since Gavel and Pestle, needless <laughs> to say. <laughs> just, just a little bit. I, I, I try to do things that are ideally weird, odd, and fun. So that, that tends to meet that goal. From my understanding, you've made yourself known as the self-proclaimed regulatory guy. So I guy. <laughs> yes, I also have my own podcast called Darshan Talks. Yeah, tell us about that. So Darshan Talks really focuses on things that interest me. So I'll end up talking to, um, to movers and shakers in life sciences. I'll end up talking to movers and shakers in pharmacy. I'll end up talking to artists. I'll end up talking to financial people. This might be a good time to announce it, but um, Darshan Talks will be actually working with Todd coming forward and, and I'll be um, helping out with, with Darshan Talks on the Pharmacy Podcast Network as well. So that's going to be exciting too. That's great to hear. Now, how is Darshan Talks different than Gavel and Pestle? So Gavel and Pestle, for the most part, when I was doing it, was really focused on... Um, on a few different elements. To me, I, I try to keep it really on the business of pharmacy and um, what, what are the legal implications of the things you do. Um, Darshan Talks has a broader output, if you will. It's, it's what, what does Darshan get interested in? Um, so that could be supplements, that could be life sciences, that could be, like I said, art, charity, giving, uh, finance, or anything else in, in the middle. Well, I'm looking forward to it. That's going to be a great addition to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Thank I'm you. You're kind. That. You're kind. So, so tell me more about you, actually. So you're going to be taking this on. So, so what, what interested you in the Gavel and Pestle? So I started doing uh, a couple podcasts with the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association pertaining to practice transformation. And that sparked an interest. And I got to know Todd through the process. And then when the opening for Gavel and Pestle uh, came about, he reached out to me and kind of knew my interests at the intersection of pharmacy and law, and it just seemed like a good fit. So, so what, what do you see as the future of pharmacy? The way I came to this is through my interest in, in practice transformation, working in the community, um, and just seeing the innovative things that, that our pharmacists are doing to care for patients and transform their business models to adapt with the way the industry is changing. So I think that that's really at the heart of, uh, you know, my passion for, for advancing pharmacy and, and taking the profession forward. So now talk to me about the community setting, because I think that that's where the biggest transformation is happening. I mean, my favorite one right now is Amazon. I mean, Amazon's yeah. about to take over the community and they're, 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 they've sort of thrown, or was, I believe it's shot the warning shot across the bow. Uh, that's a very visual reminder of what they've done. But um, do you think that Amazon is an aberration or do you think other people are coming in with similar ideas and Amazon is just the most famous one? I think the latter. You know, I think a lot of people try to 
take on the Amazon business model, but A, we just don't hear about it. And B, I don't know if anyone else has the has the leverage to do so, but I'd like to turn it back to you. I mean, back in 2017 on this very show, you predicted, right, how Amazon would totally come in and transform the pharmaceutical industry. And then ever since, I know you've been following it pretty closely with what you've coined as the Amazonification of healthcare, right? Yep. Just for our listeners who maybe uh, haven't been following, but they announced the launch of Amazon Pharmacy and the Amazon Prime Prescription Savings Benefit. That's going to enable patients now to purchase their prescription medications right through Amazon and, and then have them delivered to their doorsteps and promising savings up to 80%. But it does seem to me like a lot of the predictions that that you have made are are unfolding before us. So I want to get your take on this, Darshan. Okay, so so let's so what what did we predict in 2017? We predicted that Amazon would get into retail pharmacy. We predicted that Amazon would uh, start bypassing. We said we said Amazon's strong suit was that um, they have a really good distribution network. The the part that they've figured out that most other people have not is figured out how to um, do what's called last mile delivery. At that time, I thought I was the only one who was using the term last mile, and now everyone is is using that term. Have you heard that term before? I have not. Okay. So it really comes from um, the electrical pole distribution system. So the idea being that um, when, when you are trying to get, let's say, a um, get power to a new building in the middle of uh, Kansas, chances are you've got, you've got to get a bunch of poles strung together and the, the electricity will be sent across those poles. Great. Everyone can do that because it's, it's not as difficult. Where it becomes difficult is to go from that pole to the inside of the house. That, that last bit of pole to right inside the house is typically referred to as last mile. So that was how that originally began. Now everyone uses it in transportation, in sort of delivery in general. And the idea being everyone can get it to a distribution network. Everyone can get it to, I don't know, uh, Rite Aid Pharmacy or get it to CVS or anywhere else. But how do you get it from CVS to the patient's house? And, and for the most part, until very recently, we just said the patient's got to come pick it up. And Amazon said, no, patient doesn't. We'll send it to you. And CVS and Walmart and Walgreens and stuff are going, well, we can do, we can do delivery as well. And they started doing that for a few years now. But it wasn't until Amazon kicked in that they really knew that they had to go down this direction. Um, so, so what we do know is that Amazon's strength is in um, is in last mile distribution. One of the other things I do know, and I actually did an interview with an ex Amazon uh, lawyer who actually worked in this area, in which is authentication of goods. How do you know that the product you're buying on Amazon? We've all sort of had this problem, right? So imagine you're buying a um, a Chanel two point five five. It's it's a it's a really expensive expensive purse, um, and it's basically the purse. Um, it has to be a certain way. It has to look a certain thing. Um, and 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 Chanel sort of takes very very uh, detailed efforts to make sure that it meets the highest standards. 
Question is, you you and I both know you can go to New York City today and get a knockoff pretty easily. Exactly. So the question is, how do you make sure that you're getting the authentic 2.55? Um, and that person's the authentic one typically goes, I think last I checked, is it's something like $5,000. On the other hand, the um, the regular purse is probably, I don't know, 50 bucks. Probably a lot less than that, actually. But let's say a good knockoff is 50 bucks. And, and my girlfriend actually sells purses, and she tells me, even though she makes her living selling purse, purses, she sometimes has a hard time telling the difference between an authentic one or knockoff. So, considering all this, and why am, I why am I talking about purses right now? The reason I'm talking about purses is it's hard enough doing this when you're talking about purses where people's lives don't matter. How do you do that at scale? When you've got billions of drugs being shipped across the country, if not across the world, to make sure that you're getting the real Losartan or the real chemotherapy drug. So like say Gleevec. I see. So you're saying Amazon's business model or their, their brand, if you will, it's really based on their ability to get products from point A to point B, say right. from a warehouse to the customer's doorstep and, and do it in two days, right? Sure. So now where is Amazon going to fit into the traditional pharmacy supply chain? I mean, we've all come to know Amazon oh. as a just disruptor. So what's that going to do for the other players in the pipeline? Well, well, let, let's think about what Amazon is still disrupting. Amazon, when they made the announcement, didn't just disrupt uh, delivery. They actually disrupted um pbms as well because so yeah so what is that going to do for pbms i mean i'm thinking about distributors i'm thinking hold about on, let's, let's what, a PBM is. what is a pbm book pharmacy benefit manager and what does that mean for the average audience who may not know it means that they negotiate drug prices there you go exactly so they negotiate drug prices so so what did amazon do that affects pbms well, I guess if they took on the role of the PBM, then they would have the ability to negotiate drug prices. Exactly right. And sometimes maybe they don't even have to take on the role of the PBM. They just say that we don't have a PBM at all. We're just going to take the manufacturer at their price or whatever markup they want and give it directly to the patient. There is no PBM. So then what does that do for distributors? Well, they, they kind of combined distributors and PBMs and they just said, we don't need you. We'll do it. Now, now, one advantage is obviously they start saying, well, why do I need distributors? Why do I need PBMs? And, and the question is, do they make money off of that? But the real fun is can they use that information and use that, um, that data to actually say, you know, when you go to the pharmacy and you walk down the aisle to go get your prescription, did you, have you noticed that you usually have to walk through the medicine aisles to get to your drugs, to get to the pharmacy in the back? Because exactly. you're hoping you'll pick up something along the way. In the same way, now imagine you're getting your, your Losartan prescription and up on your uh, on Amazon, you, you get a pop-up saying, would you, um, or let's say you're getting hydrochloric or if you're a smart prescription. And for those of you who don't know, those are diuretics, which make you want to pee. But you walk through, uh, through an adult diaper aisle. 
because you might land up peeing because you're drinking, you're using too much. Or um, they, they might recommend some supplements that go along with it. So that's where you can make a lot of money. Now, the question is, does that impact HIPAA in the same way? That was my next question. What are going to be some of these regulatory implications for Amazon Pharmacy? I mean, as far as private patient data goes. So the question is, um, is HIPAA implicated? So obviously HIPAA is implicated to the extent that, um, how should I put this? To the extent that it's patient private information, HIPAA is implicated. So that's not a huge sort of mind-blowing question. The question is, how is Amazon Pharmacy set up? If it's if Amazon Pharmacy is set up such that they are um, a, what's called a, what's called a covered entity, and they're going to also uh, sell other products, just like any other pharmacy in the in the country, do they need to separate out HIPAA versus uh, sorry um, confidential information or private information versus non-private information? Um, because I don't think when you go to Rite Aid or to any average pharmacy, they, they split that out. They just go, here's some stuff, buy it. Um, the, the real question is, if they split it up into two separate companies, which would make sense as well, then you can't have distribution, like the two companies sharing data, because that, that data has to be controlled by a covered entity. So, so or, or business associate, if you will. So that's where it starts getting more complicated. So without knowing how their company's set up, it's hard to go, this is what the implications would be. I, I want to go back a second to this concept of the other players in the pharmacy pipeline. I mean, we talked about PBMs. We talked about distributors. Is Amazon going to try to broach the manufacturer territory next? What do you think? What, what is your take on that? I don't know. I'm picturing maybe five, 10 years down the line, are we going to have Amazon-branded Losartan next? See, I can see an Amazon branded Losartan, but to me, that's not the same thing as Amazon and going into manufacturing because that's just repackaging. Right. Someone else is manufacturing, Amazon puts its label on it. So, I mean, Amazon does that already with clothes, right? Yeah. You go and, exactly. So, but here's the thing I don't see them get, getting into manufacturing. That's just not their business model. They've never been, let me make clothes for you. They're just like, you make the clothes, I'll stick my label on it. We'll just do it better than you. How about traditional brick and mortar pharmacies? I think that could be a concern of a lot of our patients. Why? Is that going to destroy the pharmacist-patient relationship if everyone finds it more convenient to just have it delivered to their doorstep by Amazon? So you're forgetting a really important part of it. Um, well, two parts. Of it. So number one, let's address the first question you asked, which was what happens to the average pharmacist? Well, let's address the second question first. Um, is it just medicine delivered to your um, to your hands? The answer is no. Just like Amazon's been uh, working on the delivery system, the other thing Amazon's really good at is technology. Every one of us probably has uh, Alexa in our rooms and in our bedrooms. Can you imagine just going, I don't know what this drug does, and just going, Alexa, tell me about Losartan, or Alexa, contact my pharmacist, and the pharmacist working for, for Amazon goes, what, what question can I answer for you today? Or how about Alexa? Can I get a refill on my low side? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just send me, Alexa, send me, send me a refill. So the, the, real, the, the holy grail has never been 
let me get your medication. The holy grail is, let me answer your questions for you, the questions you don't even know, at the point you will have the question. How do you think patients are, are going to perceive this announcement? Patients don't care. Can you, can you make my life easier is the only question patients care about. No one cared when Amazon said that I make, uh, I will publish, get, get you published books. I can go to Barnes and Noble for that. What Amazon said is I can make your life easier. I'll deliver it to your house faster and cheaper. Yeah. You don't even have to go to, uh, go to Barnes and Noble. That's what Amazon's going to do. So the question is, as, a, as an average brick and mortar pharmacy, how are you going to make a patient's life easier? And I mean, I think that just adds a completely new layer, as we talked about earlier, to practice transformation in community pharmacy. Yeah. How are they going to continue to adapt to hold on to their, their patients? Exactly right. I agree with you 100%. So uh, the last point I want to touch on, I want to go back to this concept of, of drug pricing. So, you know, if Amazon goes on to, to kind of swallow up other members of, of the value chain, does this give Amazon enough clout to to dictate drug prices more broadly how, how are they going to get away with saving patients up to 80 percent on prescription drugs as they promise well uh did you notice that when amazon announced that they're going to uh deliver drugs they also simultaneously announced that they're doing a deal with greenstone who is a manufacturer so they're avoiding all the middlemen who can charge up to 100% markup and, and directly go to the manufacturer. The, the manufacturer often lands up saying, I'll get, I will sell you a drug at 50% off what you can buy elsewhere. So the manufacturer has to artificially inflate its price so that they can give 50% off. Okay, so three years ago, I mean, you, you called this. I guess my last question for you, Darshan, is, is knowing what we know now, what are your predictions another three years down the line regarding, <laughs> regarding the Amazonification of, of healthcare? Um, I think a few different things. I think technology is going to start playing a much bigger role than it has been. I think people have talked about things like, um, uh, wouldn't it be cool if Siri was doing it? But no one's really even thinking about it is, can you imagine your next prescription being delivered by drone directly to your window cell? You'd have to have, even go down to your door, to your front door. They'll drop it off at your windowsill. Um, or or um, artificial intelligence. Maybe you aren't talking about, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe you aren't worried about what a pharmacist thinks because there's, there's a intelligence that's smarter than any pharmacist that's going to use quantum computing or machine learning to, uh, to come up with a better and more complete analysis on you and they can connect your EMR and whatever else and give you an answer that's right for you. Mm -hmm. It's not or you connect it to a blockchain and Amazon can tell me where I got my last prescription filled. So it's not going through a PBM, it's just mm -hmm. tracking on a blockchain how my medication is being sent across. Right, just being able to ask Alexa instead of making a trip down to the pharmacy and, and finding out there for yourself. Well, it's more than that, right? A, a blockchain might be able to tell me, for example, I got my prescription at CVS today, Amazon tomorrow, and right in the day after. And it's all stored on a blockchain somewhere. And the next time I go to Walgreens, have you used this medication before? Instead of asking that question, 
I can just look at the blockchain and it'll tell me. Well, everyone, you heard it here first. 2023, Darshan, we're having you back on the show and, and we're going to hold you to it. <laughs> I, I always happy to be on. And one last thing, shout yourself out. Where can everybody find you on, on social media? So find me on Twitter at Darshan Talks. That's D-A-R-S-H-A-N-T-A-L-K-S, Darshan Talks. You can also find me on my website, which is darshantalks.com. You can find me on LinkedIn as Darshan Prokarni. Um, and, and just find me and we'll kind of go from there. You can, my, my, my phone number is 302-252-6959. Well, it's been a pleasure. So it's great to have you on Gavel and Pestle on the other side of the mic today. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to Gavel and Pestle, the fusion of law and pharmacy. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Gavel and Pestle. And I want to close with one final call out for episode appearances. If you're listening and you've got an expertise in some area of pharmacy law, we want to feature you on the show, have a conversation and amplify your voice. So send an email to publisher at pharmacypodcast.com and we'll be in touch. Again, I'm your host, Brooke Lusich, and we'll see you next time.